What's going on, guys? You are listening to the Lens Culture Photography Podcast, hosted by myself, Jonathan Pajak. And I just want to let you guys know the purpose of this podcast is to help all of you guys, photographers, videographers in this awesome industry, grow your business. That is the main purpose here. If you want to access anything I reference in this episode, be sure to head down to the show notes of the episode for additional information. Enough talking. Let's get right into it. What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in on this Friday or whatever day of the week you are listening to the podcast on. Today's episode is, it really is focused for the brides and the you know the couples that are going to be getting married, but it's also, it could really help videographers, photographers mainly. Um, I think that coordinators kind of have this topic down, you know, pretty well. Um, but for me, I just wanted to go over today how I am structuring my timelines for photography and videography. It's a little bit different for photo and video, but I'm going to kind of go over that at the end, like kind of what my differences are, um, and then kind of explain why I have it kind of structured this way. So I'm literally, I have an example timeline like right in front of me that I literally just made for a couple in two weeks, and I'm just going to break it down because I was looking at it and I was thinking to myself like, wow, this looks like a very standard like day for me. Like nothing is very, um, you know, uh, different than what I'm usually um you know, filming at weddings. So let's just get right into it. Okay. So basically every wedding is unique and different. You know, you obviously are going to have a wedding where you may have to drive 30 minutes between certain things, or maybe groom prep and bride prep are at two totally different locations. And you're driving from ceremony to reception. They all have their little details and intricacies. So the timing can kind of change on a lot of this. And that's why a lot of times I feel like I find a lot I find couples that upgrade later on or even like sometimes um, I find having more time in certain places than others, but it's obviously always better to have more time than less time. And I always try to educate my my couples and my clients, guys. This is really, really crucial. It's educating your couples on how much time you need to create work that will be stunning for their day. My personal opinion, let's say you're a photographer and you give six hours of coverage. I always tell them I would rather get really good quality work in that six hours, then try to stretch it out to where I'm taking like four pictures of like a hundred different things just so you can have quantity. Would you rather have, I always ask this, I did a poll this on my Instagram, would you rather have more hours of coverage and less stuff or really good stuff and less hours of coverage. It's tough to know. Some brides say they'd rather have somebody there all day and the work be a little bit inferior as to pose than being able to commit the appropriate amount of time in each section. So for me, I'm going to kind of give my standards on what I need for each section and kind of go from there. So this wedding is taking place all in one location. And brides, couples, this is like so amazing for your vendors. I, and it, it's such a small, like, it's not a small thing, but it's such a, like a detail that will just completely change your day. It's crazy. Um, if you're looking at a venue and you're, they're showing you, they're giving you the tour, they're giving you all the amenities and it looks like you can completely have all your prep stuff done on site. I am a hundred percent believer that that is the best route you can go. If you can do your makeup, hair all on site, your grooms can hang out on site and they have like a good grooms room. Everything is better if you just do it in one location. It's less driving for you, but it's also less driving for your vendors too. I've seen really good positive instances where couples have showed up to a wedding where everything is on that one site and somebody's forgot something. And it's good to know that they have forgotten something when it's really far from the ceremony as opposed to if the the bridesmaids are arriving at one o'clock and the ceremony is at two. Now it's like, holy crap, we only have an hour to go get what we needed to get. 
yeah, so that's just a little side tangent, guys. So let's get into the first thing on this timeline. Again, everything is in the same location for this day. Things can change based on if I have to drive to other spots. So in this day, for my all my videography packages, I give 8 to 10 hours no matter what because I don't want the films to not have certain parts in it. I want complete coverage, and then however long a film you get, we I will quote based on that. But I am arriving at this day... 12 o'clock at the venue. Now, I have a very detailed timeline, and a lot of times for videographers, they don't. Um, I think that a lot of times they just show up and kind of want to see how the day is going to go. But for me, I like to know what shots I need to be getting at any any specific time. And I also don't like to come in with no pre-production. And this is my way of kind of introducing pre-production with an industry that really can't have much pre-production on the video side. So at 12 o'clock, I show up and I have on here, arrive at the venue and say hello to everybody and set up. So that's me walking in. I'm saying hello to every bridesmaids. Shaking hands, smiling, saying hello. Groomsmen, what's up, guys? What's going on? You guys shaving? What are you doing? You know, and that's just me introducing myself, saying hello. To letting, without my camera. I want the first time they see me to be like, they're not seeing me with my camera. I'm a human being at this point. I'm not just the videographer. You know, so I want them to like introduce, have 15 minutes where I can just say hello to everybody. So I'm usually getting there earlier than like my technical hour of coverage start time and saying hello. And then immediately after that, this is when the time really starts to get budgeted. I am taking bridal and groom wear detailed shots and then also venue shots. Now I have a 60 minute window for this. And honestly, sometimes that even pushes it for me. Think about this. You know, I show up at 11.45. I'm saying hello for 15 minutes. Then I'm grabbing the details. So I'm grabbing her dress. I'm grabbing her shoes. I'm grabbing the rings. I'm kind of letting them know to kind of maybe have all this in one spot before I get there. That way it's easiest for me. And I'm able to, okay, if I've been at the venue before, amazing. I kind of maybe could know where the spots are. You know, but if not, I need five minutes to walk around and say, okay, where's the best place I can hang this dress to get a very beautiful shot of this dress? Preferably, I'd like to get some sort of ambient um background from the venue in this picture so that can take up time you know obviously carrying the dress setting everything setting everything up and also um taking the pictures and then you know bringing all that back doing the stuff for the groom shoes watch tie anything like that i like devoting time for that usually i want that to take up only 30 minutes my goal is to have that take up only 30 minutes my prep shots for video are different than photo a lot of photographers budget 60 minutes just for bridal details because they want to, you know, obviously take really good flat lays and do stuff like that. And that takes a lot of time. So it's a little bit different for video. I probably would extend this hours to maybe even 75 minutes or maybe even like a full hour and a half for like groom, bride and venue. So for me, once I finish with the detail shots, I'm going straight into venue shots. I'm walking around. I'm shooting on a tight lens, a wide lens. I'm trying to get as various amount of angles in such that um, I can showcase this venue, exterior, interior, if it's ready, to the best of my abilities. Nothing makes a wedding film more awkward than when people are watching and they're like, where even are we? And they have no clue where they're at. And because that's usually because the videographer isn't including any really good establishing or detail shots. So they don't really even know where they're at, you know? So it's like, are we at a golf club? Are we inside? Like you, you have no clue if you're not showing us, you know, either like a drone shot or, and I'm doing drone during this time too, guys. I apologize for not saying that. Um, but basically just really working hard to get various amounts of detail shots, wide, tight, you know, stuff where I can use sound design, anything that it stands out to me prominently. Um, from there, that's a 60 minute window. Like I said, from there, I am officially moving to the groomsman prep and any sort of details they have to do. So at one o'clock, I'm traveling to groomsman prep on site. It's about 15, 
foot walk. Um, and I'm going to start capturing all the grooms in prep. Initially, I want to hang out for 10 minutes of them just chilling. Nobody's getting dressed. They're just hanging out, maybe drinking a beer, playing cornhole, doing stuff that's cool, stuff that's what the guys do, you know? We the guys, we're not getting our hair and makeup done at 7 a.m. We're chilling at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, drinking beers, watching whatever college football game's on on that Saturday, and just hanging out. And I want to capture that. And I want to get some of, you know, the groom hanging out with his buddies because that's like, you know, times that he's going to value. A lot of times in this industry with the photos and videos, the groom isn't always like the hot subject. So and I want this to be the time where like he gets what he wants. And I know he would love the coverage of like him and his boys like hanging out. So I'll let that run for like 10 minutes. And then the rest of the time I'm getting shots of them getting ready. Now, a lot of times this can only last for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. Preferably, I want the, I always say, have the groomsmen start first. That way I can get like shots of the groomsmen getting ready. And then once I have like, I would say maybe 15 to 20 different angles of the groomsmen getting ready within the span of like 15 minutes, I'll have the groom get ready because I want to be able to like solely focus on him and not have to bounce back and forth from groom and groomsmen. Um, so I'll have the groomsmen go first, then the groom. Plus also gives the opportunity for the best man to be completely ready. So whenever I need him with the groom, he can just hop right in. So the groom, I'll put right by a window or some sort of natural light, turn off all of the lights in the room. So for, you know, for the couples out there listening, a lot of times you can have nasty different color lights. So you have, you know, fluorescent mixed with daylight and it just looks really bad on film. So you want to have one natural light. So if the groom's by the window, turn off all those orange gross lights. That way it's one even light throughout. So I'll have him just get ready. And I don't want to be obtrusive on this. So I'm going to pose in a way for my proper lighting and composition, but I'm not going to like overdo it. You know, I'll say, Hey, can you pause for a second? And then I'll like move. And then I'm like, all right, get, go ahead and continue what you're doing. And a lot of times I'm not even doing that guys. Like I'm literally just, Hey dude, stand by this window, look out the window majestically, think about the day. You know, you don't get many opportunities just standing here and think on your wedding day. So just get dressed and think, and I'm just going to film you getting ready. And I usually will start this with like pants on, undershirt on, and then like, you know, he'll start with a shirt, belt, maybe shoes, socks, you know, vest, tie, jacket. And I usually will bring the group, the best man in during the jacket. And then also the tie, sometimes the cufflinks if they're, if they're more difficult ones. After that, guys, if I have time, I I like for video to get the guys outside of the venue or if it's already outside or um, if the the inside where they're getting ready is cool, maybe the inside too, and just get shots of them like all dressed up, talking. I'll set them up for a few like cool like groomsmen shots. Um, again, trying to get these. And a lot of times for me, this is before the photographers even arrive because obviously sometimes the photographer's not there and I'm able to have one-on-one time with them and I'm so cool with that. If the groom is doing like a letter reading, I'm doing it during this time, guys. Right after he's dressed, before the ceremony, I'll have him open up a gift that he's got from his bride, and I'll have him do his letter reading right there because I want, and I'll have all the groomsmen go away because I want absolute quietness. I want him to have that moment. I tell him, I say, hey, I'm going to be having one camera on a little monopod here. The second camera's in my, my hands. Once I say go, don't even look at me. This is on you. This is your moment. This is your time. Read this letter. You know, you are reading the last words you're going to read from your bride before you guys get married. So I want you to enjoy this. And I'll have him read that letter. And that pretty much sums up groom's prep. I'll, I will be done there and I move on over to bride prep. And that's usually I do groom's prep before because bride prep, obviously the hair and makeup window is like six or seven hours, which is crazy sometimes when they're, if they're doing everybody. And, um, 
I don't want the beginning parts of hair and makeup. I want the last final touches, you know, when the girls are looking on fleek and they're like, oh, come get this shot, you know. So I'm showing up to groom prep at 2 p.m. So this is 60 minutes after I started um uh, I'm showing up bride prep. Sorry about that. At 2 p.m., 60 minutes after I started groom prep. From here, preferably, I like to do the bride's letter reading when she's in her PJs or her robe after all of her hair and makeup's done and she's just like sitting so casually by like a window. I love that. It looks so beautiful. They look so dainty in their PJs with all their makeup done. Like you can tell the anticipation of, of the dress is about to go on. So usually for that, what I'll do is I'll show up to bride prep and I will hang out with them. I want the same thing. The girls hanging out, laughing, drinking their mimosas, <laughs> being all cool and stuff. Um, and I after that, once all the makeup shots are done, you know, them hanging out's done, I will just say, hey, a lot of times the photographer is going to pose them on, on like a bed or a couch in their robes, like toasting champagne, smiling with each other. I'll capture all this too, trying to get just video shots in there as well, like them cheersing, leaning and, 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 and smiling because I need some movement in video. It's not all about just smiling and looking at the camera. Um, and then after those photos, I will actually usually, that's when I do the, the letter reading, right before the dress goes on. Kind of builds that excitement for her specifically. Plus, it's like closer to the ceremony. I think that they like that a little bit better too. And I always find that um, brides look, I don't actually, brides don't look weird. People look weird in like the, in like big, like fluffy, poofy wedding dresses, like sitting down sometimes. So that's why I usually do it in the PJs. And I also think it's cool sometimes to be able to get like the shot from the back of her reading and it's like bridesmaid or bride on her, you know, little robe and then like the letter in the background. So it's really nice. So after that, after the prep, after the letter reading with the girls and after like, you know, their robe shots, I will usually dress will go on. And this time I have budgeted for 3.15. So about an hour and 15 minutes after of them just doing hair and makeup and stuff like that that I'm covering. Once the dress goes on, obviously I have her, I say to her, you know, hey, button one quarter of, the, of it up and then leave it and just wait for me. Because I'm a guy, obviously I step out of the room and then I step back in and I'm just like, hey, go ahead, zip it all the way, zip it all the way up. Just go really, really slow with it, you know, help it, finagle it, do a little bit of like, you know, messing around. And then I'll pose a few shots of like, hey, turn your head, smile at your mom, give her a kiss on the cheek. And then I'll say it to mom, like, how beautiful does she look and stuff like that. Like, and then usually the mom will cry. So it just gives really good emotion. And I love the dress part of the day. This is the moment where I will actually mic the bride up as well, too. I've already in, um, spoke with her beforehand about where the mic's going to go, how it's going to go, and also the importance of it. I can't stress this enough. There are so many videographers that aren't micing the brides. And I understand it's like very stressful because you have a wedding dress. You have a white wedding dress. The mic I use is the DR um, Tascam DR10L in white, crucial in white, because you can't even see it on the wedding day, and it's amazing. Um, but I basically clip it to the inside breast cup of the wedding dress. It runs down the bre the the dress, and if she's wearing like a spanx or like a thick like undergarment, she can just clip it right on there, and it's not visible at all. Or I have like a little garter that goes in the opposite leg of what her actual garter goes on, and it just slides right in there for during the ceremony. And then directly after, when they're like tucked away before the entrances, we I usually will take it off during that time. Very simple, very easy. I've been doing it for the past like twenty or thirty weddings now, and I, the audio that comes from Mike and the bride is so so superior in comparison to getting the audio from the groom's lavalier mic or the DJ board, which can sometimes be, you know, <laughs> a risk. Um, but yeah, definitely mic the bride if you can. Get the white task cam and it'll save your life. From that, oh, sorry guys. From that, um, I, we're going straight into bridesmaid and bride prep. 
or a portrait. So I like to get some shots of just the bride by herself, um, video wise, and then also some shots of obviously all the girls together. Again, trying to direct with the photographer to get like video shots while obviously he gets his photos that he needs. I'm always working with the photographer because you never want to step on each other's toes. And honestly, Every time I post stuff for video, I always see photographers like taking pictures and I always see them showing up on their Instagram because believe it or not, I think some forget that motion in photos just makes pictures look real. Their emotions are real when they're moving and they're actually laughing. Um, and from there, that's usually 30 minutes where we'll do the bride portrait session and the bridesmaid session at the same time. And again, a lot of this is if time permits. This is an example timeline I'm using for an upcoming wedding where everything's in one location, which is obviously the most stress-free type of, of timeline. Um, so things can change, guys. And that's the thing here is you may have different things. You may have to budget in driving 15 minutes. You may have to budget in a first look, which is a completely different timeline because usually the couples that do first looks are either A, wanting to get a lot of their photos done earlier, or B, they're just wanting to budget in a first look, but obviously because of that, you can do couples pictures a little bit earlier or split them up one like session before the ceremony in that lighting and then a session during like sunset or something. So the timeline can ever be changing based on the needs of the couple, but also like what the day is kind of giving you, if that makes sense. Um, I just want to take a quick break here, guys, to let you know that I'm literally recording this podcast underneath a blanket. Like I feel stupid doing it and I like feel funny doing it and i think that if somebody were to walk in the room they'd be like what is going on um i haven't soundproofed my new office yet and i'm really working on it i just ordered some sound panels and because right now everything just kind of like echoes off the walls so the blanket really helps just keep my voice um entrapped on the microphone so if you're ever hearing any like rustling around it's probably just me just moving this blanket <laughs> um but after that guys um, that is lasting 30 minutes and that ends at four o'clock. Now the ceremony starts at 4:30. So I give myself a 30 minute window to set up for the ceremony. Now, usually what's happening for me during this time is I'm putting a mic on the groom because his is very, very simple. It's obviously in the suit jacket, buckle it in the inside. I'm putting a mic on the officiant and then I'm also plugging into the DJ soundboard as a backup audio source. So just in case like, you know, somebody, even though the task cams have like a hold option to where like no matter what buttons you click, it won't change anything. Just in case like, you know, the mic takes the groom off to readjust his shirt, then forgets to put it back on or something like that. I have that backup from the DJ's audio, um, his board. And then also during this time, I'm setting up the tripods, you know, putting the tripods up for the groom's reaction as solo shooter, which is something I'm getting away from. All my packages in the next coming months will be two shooters no matter what, because I've realized that I can create better films with that. Um, but as a solo shooter, I have one tripod that's faced towards the groom that's really high up. So that way when people stand, um, they don't block that, that sight from the camera. And I'm having it pointed right directly at the groom. And then I also have my third tripod that's going to be pointed directly at where the bride will be standing once she comes down the aisle. And usually I am crouched um, pretty low on the first row, um, getting an upward direction of the groom and then also a down aisle shot of the bride as she walks down um, the aisle towards the groom. But also during this like... Um, prep window for me and usually the photographers prepping as well we'll kind of go over collaborate and go over our game plan for the ceremony like where are you going to be standing where are you going to be that you're not going to be in each other's shots stuff like that just to make it really really simple during the ceremony and whatnot um and also during this time it's really good for the for couples just to be able to relax more so for the for the for the girls they might want to touch up their makeup after doing like portrait sessions or even do like last the couple might need to do some like last minute things to like get ready like figure out you know the rings or stuff like that so it's good to have a 
a, it's really good to have a 30 minute window for refreshing up and relaxing, but also it's a good buffer time for God forbid, like uncle Joe forgets like a ring and somebody's driving to go get it. So there's like a 30 minute window where like nobody has to be really doing anything except your vendors like prepping. And it's just really, really convenient for the couple. I, I am, I, I mandatory put this in, not necessarily for the couple, but just also for me, like I can't get ready for a ceremony in six minutes. So it's like, I need that 30 minute window to prepare for the ceremony. Um, following the ceremony, usually I give a 30 minute window for that too. A lot of times it's around like 20 to 20, 35 minutes, give or take. Um, we will go straight to family formals. During this time in the beginning of it, I'm actually not filming a lot of this because uh, I direct my films in a way to where they're actually films and not like event coverage. And event coverage would basically be like every single like posed obvious picture of like a family couple or a family portrait is like in the video. I don't do those. I don't really show many of those at all um, because it's just like people smiling off. It's what is an obvious camera in another direction. So I try to get like the family shots. I'll get those ones. And then like all the random like third cousins, I don't film that stuff. I'm breaking all my gear down from the ceremony and prepping for the reception because I have tripods up for the reception. I got to plug into the DJ's board in the reception hall, get ready for things like that. Um, for the full bridal party, when they like after they see each other, I'm definitely there for that. I'm getting the bridal party pumped. I'm getting some really cool creative bridal shots. That will happen around 15 to 30 minutes after uh, the family formal start. And that will go into around like 5.30. We'll, we'll do all the bridal or the full bridal party and stuff like that. And then after that, it's my favorite time of the day. It's the actual creative session with the bride and groom. And obviously, it's tough sometimes. If you're a new videographer, you'll learn this up front and then like kind of have to figure out how ways to get around it. Um, if you're experienced, you, you already know the pain. A lot of times, the photographer is leading this session. Now, I, I make it really apparent to my couples. I say, hey... I'm going to collaborate with your photographer beforehand anyways. I send an email three weeks beforehand and then a week beforehand just to confirm timeline because, again, a lot of videographers don't even do timelines, so I feel like the ones that do have to be kind of like aggressive with like, hey, just want to let you know here's the timeline I created for myself, send it to the photographer and stuff like that. Um, but the creative session with the bride and groom, I need video shots and the photographer needs his photos. So we kind of go and collab. Sometimes I'll say to them, like sometimes they're really cool. I'm like, hey, do you want to swap every other pose? Because like I love taking photos of stuff that, people or videographers pose so it's like it works perfect for me too so it's like yeah awesome i'd lo love to collab and do like every other pose and stuff like that because for me i want a bunch of walking i want cuddling i want kissing i want the guy picking her up in the air and twirling i want her holding her dress flailing it as they walk and he's looking at her smiling i want those beautiful shots that will be the focal point of their film with all their beautiful vows and letter readings happening in the video with those shots over the top of them um obviously for this we usually have like a 20 to 30 minute window the reception will begin at like you know 6 p.m so at latest you want them enter entrance entering oh my gosh entering and at 6.15, so you probably want to be done around like 6.10, which is about a 30-minute window. And then after this, guys, it's really dependent on what the couple's doing. For photographers and videographers, honestly, it's very stressful before the entrances of the reception. But after that, it is very photojournalistic style. Um, obviously, it's really good to know. Um, if you know, have like a 30 minute buffer time before the speeches happen, because you could say to the DJ, this is what I do. Hey, I, this is the, these are the checkpoints I say with the DJ. A, please don't play any ambient background noise music during the speeches because that recorder is going to pick up unless you're plugged into directly just the mic option. That recorder is going to pick up everything that's coming out of the speaker. So basically 
all that ambient audio of like a piano in the background, you're going to have that. And it's going to be really tough to mix that speech with your film when there's like John Mayer's instrumental on the background. So I tell them, hey, please no ambient audio during the speeches. And if they have a, a like an actual microphone stand, there's some microphone stands that keep people in one place. So I'll ask them, like, could, could we use a microphone stand so I can set up my lighting? That way I know they will not move during their speech at all. Because if they move and are walking around the whole venue, it's hard to keep them in amazing light that you can use for the wedding film. So I try to, like, be able to, like, hey, say, kind of try to stay right here. Or you can have, like, a you know, like a two or three foot variance and stuff like that. If they look like somebody that's going to be, like, given, like, an award-winning elevator pitch speech, you know? Um and again, everything after besides the speeches, I mean, the first dances, it's kind of custom on figuring out how to light those. I mean, that's usually where I'll set my lighting up to begin with because um, usually that'll happen right away. And just kind of going from based off the DJ's timeline at this point, a good DJ is going to warn every vendor, like photographer, videographer before things happen. So just be reluctant on working with him. It's a great time to network too so you can talk to them and get to know them too. And also, once you're cool with them, they'll let, give you decent advance on when things are going to happen so you can capture them accordingly. And then also, obviously, it's nice to know um, 10 minutes before the exit so you can set up your lighting for that as well. And again, guys, this is just a, a an example of a wedding timeline where everything's in one location. There's so many variances in wedding days. There's so many little things. I drove a groom to groom or to the venue. I've, I have went and picked up florals for a couple randomly one time. I, I've done so many random things at weddings where the timeline is never concrete. I would say there may be two times where I have followed a timeline to a T and like there was no variance on the day of. There's going to be variants. There really, really is. And all you have to do to like honestly stay um, stress-free is understand that it's better to be capturing something than to just sitting around. You know, you should either be setting up or filming, in my opinion. I don't think there's many times where you should just be standing around because you never know if you would have needed that extra shot. So I hope the couples out there really enjoyed kind of hearing the vendor aspect of a breakdown of a timeline. And if you're a photographer, videographer, Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, be sure to head over to my Instagram and follow me on there. Um, and I also go ahead to my YouTube channel and give a subscribe there. I post a lot of more educational content there. 2020 is my year, guys, for podcasts and YouTube. I'm going to be trying to post so much more consistently. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. I will see you next week. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend.